Thanks for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. Our Sunday services are held at 1030 a.m. at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To stay up to date with what's going on at Joy Church, check out our website at www.joychurch.life. The following message is presented by our senior leader, John Poundstone. No, we're really, 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 really glad that you're here this morning. Um, I think I better just leave that alone. You know, every year it's true. It's truly a privilege for a leader to bring an Easter message, and you know, because it's a spe- such a special and unique thing. And oftentimes on Easter, people come into the church that don't ordinarily come to church, and so forth. You know, every year the leadership team or the pastor, or whatever is challenged with making it special. And so oftentimes there's pageantry. Oftentimes there's a kid's program. Oftentimes there's something special. We've even seen even seen live animals on stage, those kinds of things. And I love that. And, I, and next year, who knows, we're going to maybe be doing something like that. But here's what I was directed to do this morning. He, The Lord just really wants to give you a straight-up, boom, right out of scripture, head-on collision with his goodness and the meaning of Resurrection Sunday. So, Holy Spirit, please speak. Holy Spirit, please minister to each and every person, including me, in this room. Please help them come on come into a deeper understanding of who each person in this room is in you, what their authority is, what their power is, what their purpose and responsibility is. Just fill them up anew and afresh with how special each person in this room is to you and that you created them for exactly right now in the earth that there's something that they can do that no one else in history or past or present or future could ever do. Right to the marrow of their bones. Please God, help each person in this room, myself included, encounter your love your lordship in that's the only place we can all find true freedom in Jesus' name I pray <laughs> we don't even have a kids program this morning uh, what am I going to do without powerpoint slides I don't have powerpoint slides that's weird Whew. sometimes sometimes it's better you know White is white, right? But when you see white against black, it's even whiter, right? Because of the contrast. So I, I brought a video this morning to try to set the scene to give you that background, that context, that, you know, why is today so bright and beautiful? Well, I'm going to, we're going to let this video refocus you, recenter a little bit on what happened last Friday night. And I think it can probably bring that to you in a more anointed way even than I can. The really annoyed stuff is coming up, but... <laughs> no, just, 
Please just sit back. Please just let the week go. Let everything else you're supposed to do this afternoon, tonight, tomorrow, just, just put it in a parking lot. Put it in a parking space for six minutes. Just breathe. We'll dim the lights. You can be all by yourself. And just kind of take this in if you would, please. Okay?
Never in all of history will there be a greater act of love. Never. That's who we're talking about today. I love history. I'm, I'm into history. <clears throat> I have been my whole life. I, did you ever take aptitude tests in school? They were said there, the test said you were good in these subjects and lame in these subjects they were pretty accurate about what I was lame in but they always said I was good in history and yet I, I didn't like history at all and I guess it's because they never made history live for me in my school anybody have a great history teacher that kind of made history live for you yeah I didn't I wasn't that fortunate but God has a funny way of overcoming that now I've become a student of history I love history and I'm not sure what is what is the most important event in history is it the invention of the world wide web was it the invention of the printing press, the automobile, the steam engine, the railroad, the electricity, the uh, printing press? No. On any of those things. The greatest event in history that will ever be in history, and I'm counting, I'm telling you the future too, the greatest event that ever occurred or ever will was the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. <laughs> 
people make history, and history makes people. This morning I set before you that event 2,000 years ago when he was in the grave. No more. It's no ordinary event. I firmly believe it is indeed the most important event ever. It happened 2,000 years ago, but it's as fresh today as it was then. And I think maybe the best thing to do would be just let the Bible lay it out for us, what actually happened. And so we've asked a few people to read some scriptures. And uh, I think we'll start out with about four people reading. And there'll be a microphone coming around, and you got to wait for the mic because this is being recorded. So, Holy Spirit, partner with us. Reveal Jesus even more as we partake, we take in these scriptures. May I please have reader number one? These are all out of the book of Mark. Chapter 16. Mark 16, 1 and 2, ESV. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought, brought spices so that they might go to anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun has risen, they went to the tomb. Every time we do this, the readers are always completely across the room from one another. I think it's on purpose. And they were saying to one another, Who will roll the stone away for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. Reader number three, please. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. He said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. Reader number four, please. Verse number 8. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Tiny sidebar. I think it's fascinating that women can't teach men and women can't preach in church, but they're the ones that are charged with telling everybody about the resurrection. How come it's always women that Jesus trusts with the most? powerful and sacred good news I don't know just saying (laughs) just saying three women Mary the mother of James Mary Magdalene and Salome do you think those women believed in the resurrection why sure because they saw it right I mean it was real and then the 12 to 11 disciples, do you think they believed in the resurrection? Why? Because they saw him. He kind of, John chapter 20, he walks through a wall and shows up with him. 
That gets real. Hundreds of people, manuscripts, all kinds of ancient documents reflect the actual visual. People saw, touched, walked with him 40 days after he was more certainly dead than, well, I'm not going to go there. Did those hundreds of people believe that he resurrected from the dead? Yes, they did. There's no better documented historical reality than the resurrection. See, the early church believed. They had no doubt. He had risen from the dead. You'll see that that becomes very important. So I I just want to thank you again for coming to church today. Or maybe I have that wrong. Maybe I should thank you for bringing the church today. Because scripture tells us that I am the church. You are the church. So you came to a church building today. We're really grateful for that. But I think your Heavenly Father is even more grateful because you brought the church. History. Hey, you remember when that grand cathedral in Paris, Notre Dame, burned? It was just about exactly three years ago. And they're well underway, and they made a new discovery this week underneath the basement, but they're well underway. They've gotten all the safety measures put in place, and they're starting to rebuild the spire and all of that. Uh, President Macron said it would take five years. That was a crazy boast back there three years ago. They now say it's going to take 15 to 20 years. Why is that? Because you don't build a cathedral overnight. You just don't. There's a lot of work and change and incremental progress that has to happen to build a cathedral. This week uh, in Chicago, a very well-known huge church burned to the ground. And last week in, in uh, I think it was New York, another one did, and so forth. You know, buildings fall down a lot, right? And we and we see na- we see natural disasters and so forth. And then the city or the neighborhood or the buildings rebuild, and you have to do it piece by. You have to kind of clean out the old, clean it all up, inspect it, shore up all the things that are uh, weak, replace them, and it always takes. What's that? Help me out, you guys that are really good with your hands. It takes, is it twice as much money and three times as much time as what the estimate was? Something like that, right? How is this church any different? If, if we want to be renewed in Him over time, if we want to find out really who we are and what He really thinks of us and what kind of privileges we have and what we can actually do and what we're supposed to do. And then when we graduate from our old nature the rest of the way and when we learn how to live in a kingdom, do you think that might take some time and some cleanup and some new foundation and some new... Yeah, (laughs) of course it does. Of course it does. The, the, those who built Notre Dame, you know, it took 182 years to build that cathedral. It was finished in 1345. 
Those, there were artisans who lived there, toiled for years, seven days per week. Many of them without pay, just because it was an act of worship to build that noble cathedral. They did all of that despite the fact that they knew they'd never see the finished results. How many grandparents are in the room? Isn't that kind of how we feel about our grandkids? That we just love and plant seed and and we may never see a finished work? How about anybody who's ever really pursued ministry or really pursued mentoring or really pursued freedom ministries? Those kinds of things. Isn't that kind of like artisan work? That's really how we at Joy Church feel about you. We just love and plant seed. We may never see the results. That's up to him. But that's how your heavenly father feels about you. He doesn't sit around wait, waiting to get angry at every bad and wrong thought that you have, word that you say, thing that you do. We just learned Jesus paid for all that. He celebrates. I, I, I in my imagination, think he calls angels over. Look, I caught him doing something right. Did you see what he, what she just did? That's so awesome. I think they cheer. So I'm a huge fan of old churches and beautiful cathedrals. I really am. You can ask my wife. But this morning I want to share with you the location of the most beautiful, powerful, sacred temple on earth. Maybe maybe I'll simply read it from the Bible. This is 1 Corinthians 6. Just two verses. Born again. Born anew from above, the Bible tells us. Were you unaware? Or have you forgotten that your body is now the sacred temple of the spirit of holiness? the very Holy Spirit of the Sovereign God who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer. For the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, lives inside your sanctuary. You you were God's expensive purchase, paid for with tears of blood. So by all means then, use your body to bring glory to God. John didn't say that. The Holy Scriptures did. I want so bad to be one of those guys who says, turn to your neighbors and say, you're a sanctuary. Okay, do that. I don't ever get to do that. That's fun. No wonder they do it. I'm not going to be like Paul Cole and say, slap your neighbor and do it. So I wonder, do you know what is God's vision for you? The masterpiece he thought up, he calls you a poem before time. Do you know what he wanted to build as a center for worship to him, as a center for his power to redeem, restore, and reconcile people and things for which and whom you carry influence? 
Do you have a clear picture of that? Because there is one. So, a few days before Jesus went to the cross, just a very few days, like three, he drove the money changers out of the great religious building of his day. It was called Herod's Temple. He then declared to everybody there, including all the religious leaders, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. The religious leaders responded incredulously. They said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? And the gospel explains, but the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoke. John 2, 19 through 22. This is three days before he was crucified, but it took them until he walked through the wall to believe. So if you're having a little trouble with that right now, it's okay. I'm just asking Holy Spirit for every disciple in this room. I wouldn't mind if he walked through the wall. But we don't need him to because we have the scriptures and we have Holy Spirit and we have the testimony of other people's lives in this room. We have enough evidence. A few days. Again, this is just a few days before the temple. Before Jesus was crucified, died, and was buried and rose again, a guy named Lazarus got sick and died. Real dead. Now Lazarus and his two sisters, Mary and Martha, were among Jesus' very closest friends. And when I when if you really study this, there's there's a, if you know the closest friends or the closest sisters or the closest brothers in the universe, you know they know each what which are the, what each other's thinking before they think it. And they know that they need to pick up the phone or send a text before that person even does. That's how close Jesus was with Mary, Martha, Lazarus, and a few others who lived in Bethany. So that's how close Lazarus was to Jesus. Well, they sent messengers and told Jesus, you know, Lazarus is really sick. It looks like he might even die. And he wasn't all that far away a few days' walk. But he didn't come. In fact, Lazarus died. Jesus finally arrived all right, but it was four full days after Lazarus had died. Of course, the family and friends were totally grief-stricken, totally blown away, totally frustrated. Who wouldn't be? Here's John chapter 11, verses 21 through 26. Martha, Lazarus' sister, said to Jesus, My Lord, if only you had come sooner, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know that if you were to ask God for anything, he would do it for you. I almost feel like, because this is, if you know Martha at all, it's I'll wash your car. I'll clean your house. Here, you can have all my money. Can I darn your socks? I don't think they had socks. But I'll do anything. <laughs> Jesus told her, 
Your brother will rise and live. She replied, Yeah, I know. He will rise with everyone else on Resurrection Day. She was talking about end times. Martha, Jesus said, You don't have to wait until then. I am the resurrection, and I am life eternal. Anyone who believes in me, who clings to me in faith, even though he dies, will live forever. Verse 26. And the one who lives by believing in me. See, it's bolded. The one who lives by believing in me will never die. And then he says this to Martha. Do you believe this? He's saying that to you and me today. That's the Holy Spirit's question for us this morning. (coughs) Do we believe that he died and rose again? That he resurrected? See, we live in a crazy, chaotic, tumultuous, and uncertain time. But this here's the thing, and this is so important. Reality cannot be defined by the fear mongers and the skeptics. We are closer to a worldwide revival than we are to the end of the world. Signs, wonders, miracles, salvations are in every country I can think of around the world. God is moving in ways he never has before, and he will for several years to come. Jesus is manifesting his kingdom. He is building his church, his churches of living stones, raising up liberated sons and daughters who fully surrender, fully commit, truly make him their first love and their Lord, and initiate his example of sacrificial love and life and authority and power wherever they go. Not just here on Sunday. Just like the Roman system back then, 2,000 years ago, the world today continues to build its kingdoms on an axis of power and violence. You want to get ahead? In the kingdoms of the world, just think about this. What's politics all about? What's relationships all about? What's social media all about? What's what's Vladimir Putin or the dictators in all the other countries about? How do you get ahead? Power and violence. It's been that way since Cain headed east after killing Abel and Enoch built the first city. It's the same system ever since. Jesus superseded that whole system. First thing he said in his public ministry, think in a whole new way. The kingdom of heaven is here and coming too. It's here and not yet. The kingdom of heaven is not built on an axis of power and violence. The kingdom of heaven is built on an axis of love. 
It's crazy. It makes no sense. It's completely counterintuitive. It goes against my own nature. It goes against every way I think. And yet, and yet, and yet, love, mercy, grace, ridiculous forgiveness, silly hospitality, nonsensical loyalty and honor. A brutalized man bleeding and dying on a cross seeking forgiveness for the very people who were killing him that you and I might have an abundant life is a picture of the very God I'm asking you to come to know. There is no better picture of the God of the universe than that man on a cross suffering and sacrificing everything and then seeking forgiveness for those who did it. You want to know what God looks like? He looks just like Jesus. God is building his cathedral on the earth and its beauty will never be destroyed. It requires resurrection of his church, you and me which means an ongoing process for you and me of death, burial, and resurrection within us. For the Apostle Paul, resurrection was no metaphor. It was real. It was the most real thing ever. It was the power of God. And when he spoke of Jesus as raised from the dead, he meant Jesus alive and Jesus at large in the world, not as some shimmering ideal of human goodness or the achieving power of hopeful thought, but as the very power of life itself. If the life that was in Jesus died on the cross, if the love that was him came to an end, and when his stop, his heart stopped beating, if the truth that he spoke was no more, if he were no less timeless than the great truths of any time, if all that he had in him to give to the world was a glimmer of light, to make bearable the inexorable approach of darkness, of endless night? <laughs> what? It was all done in despair. It's all despair. Paul believed. Paul believed. He never met Jesus. Paul believed. Want to know what he wrote? Lots of things, but I'm just going to point out two verses, or no, it's actually more than that, but two readers. Our last two readers, reader number five, would you please read to us from Romans chapter 10, verse 8. But the faith righteousness we receive speaks to us in these words of Moses. God's living message is very close to you, as close as your own heart beating in your chest and as near as the tongue in your mouth. And finally, reader number six. It starts out with a question. So Romans uh, 10.9. And what is it, God's living message? It is revelation of faith, of salvation, or for salvation, which is a message that we preach. 
For if you publicly declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will experience salvation. The heart believes in him and receives the gift of righteousness of God. And then the mouth gives thanks to salvation. This is not complicated, people. I've spent years theologically diving into the scriptures. Years. There are lots of people you can ask and you can ask my wife. I can make it as complicated as you want to. I can make it very complex. I can cite you from the Hebrew and from the Greek. I can do hermeneutics. I can do exegetics. I can do apologetics. It's simple. It's simple. If you just do what those three women did, those 11 disciples, those few hundred people, the Apostle Paul, all those he mentored, the early church. Yeah, I believe he did. Yep. Mm -hmm. He did. He rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it out loud. He rose from the dead. I believe that. Yes. To my toenails. Within the very marrow of my bone. So I put before you opportunity to believe. <laughs> Not the same belief as the Easter Bunny or Santa. Not the same belief, believe as a great story. Not the same belief that the earth is round or flat. Not even the same belief as the laws of physics, such as gravity. Because we all know that you can suspend gravity or escape gravity. We all know that in the quantum world, every law of physics is abandoned. No, there's only one thing that's dependable. He's asking us to believe like the skydiver. My chute's going to open. That's some belief. Yeah, he's, he's asking us for bet the farm, no plan B. All in. No second chances. Jesus the Christ raised from the dead. It's not pass-fail. It's not yes-no. It's not a mental thing. It's an experience. I know that I know that I know that I know. When I lay in bed at night and I have all those racing thoughts, when I walk around with anxiety, when I walk around with sensory disorders, when I know that I made that decision very badly with the IRS and they're coming to get me, when I when I I know that I cannot just everything inside of me wants to resist going back to those things I look at on the screen. As horrible as I am, or as horrible as my decisions are, or how I just betrayed my friend. Or my friend just betrayed me. No matter how, I know that, listen, I know that I know that I know because I'm human. I lay in my bed at night and sometimes it's not pretty in here. 
let alone when I stand up here and I'm supposed to speak to y'all. But I know. But I know. That I know. That I know. The certainty that he raised from the dead, that he's real, that he's touchable, that he's tangible, that he's knowable, and he knows me and my situation. And I may have to go through some consequences because of my choices, but I know that I know that I know it won't be alone. And I cannot shake his love, and I cannot shake his mercy, and I cannot shake his hope. He's offering that to you this morning. And I, we're trying to build some a group of people that will run alongside of you as you work that out. We're going to play a closing video. I'm actually going to end the message on time. And as it plays, I'm going to invite you to do business with God. Let your spirit awaken. Let your spirit arise. And then act. His hand is extended. Ask Holy Spirit. He's right here. He's right with you. Ask Him. What are you saying to me? What would you like me to do? Ask Holy Spirit. I'm encouraging you to believe. I'm inviting you to believe. The Lord is summoning you. He's sending you an engraved invitation, only it's with some power behind it. To believe. To turn. To allow yourself to think in a whole new way. To trust. To Say, yes, Lord, I am with you. I am yours. I surrender. I answer your summons. I hand me, <laughs> with all my goodness and all my junk, to you. You are now my master. Maybe this is once again. Maybe it's for the very first time. Well, after you have acted, at some point in time, very soon, please tell someone that's what you did. Because we need to confess it out our mouth. And we'll have some people up front. They don't even know who they are yet. The Holy Spirit's going to call them up. I didn't appoint anybody in... in uh, in advance of the service. We do have protocols here. We don't let just anybody up here. But the people already know. So just, if you want somebody to pray with you or to confess that you confessed, just come on up. It's that simple. Now, I started this morning by saying, this is a celebration. This is a party. So the video that we're going to put on while you process this with Holy Spirit is not one of somberness. This is celebration. So just enjoy while you contemplate. I want to turn toward him. Maybe for the first time or maybe for the 
400 and first time? He doesn't care. He's just happy. He just wants you in his arms. He is that kind of God. Okay? Debbie, let's play that video and let's end our party. And then we'll go hunt Easter eggs. If
Thanks again for joining us on Joy Church Podcast. We want to personally invite you to our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. held at 4120 Highway 50A in Fernley, Nevada. To find out more about the Joy Life, be sure to visit www.joychurch.life. See you Sunday.